Welcome to Texting Matters, your one-stop audio shop for all things tax, brought to you by RPC. My name is Alice Kemp, and I will be your guide as we explore the sometimes hostile and ever-changing landscape that is the world of tax law and tax disputes. Texting Matters brings you a fortnightly roadmap to guide you and your business through this labyrinth. In case any of you miss any crucial information or just want some bedtime reading, there is a full transcript of this and indeed every episode of Taxing Matters on our website at www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxing matters. Today we will be talking about alternative dispute resolution with the man who quite literally wrote the book about litigating with HMRC, Adam Craggs. Adam is a partner and the head of tax disputes at RPC. He's also my boss and has promised me that asking him hard questions won't get me fired. Probably. After 16 years at the solicitor's office at HMRC, where he advised on high-profile matters, Adam came to his senses and now specialises in helping businesses and individuals out of the sticky situations they find themselves in with HMRC. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Alice. So, what is alternative dispute resolution? I probably can't um, give a better description, Alice, than the, the definition which the Centre for Effective Dispute Resolution gives, CEDA, who are one of the main ADR uh, providers. In, in, in They define uh, mediation as follows, a flexible process conducted confidentially in which a neutral person actively assists the parties in working towards a negotiated agreement of a dispute or difference with the parties in ultimate control of the decision to settle and the terms of resolution. Depacking that a little bit, what, what, what it basically is, is as a form of uh, resolution, dispute resolution, where the parties work collaboratively rather than in the usual adversarial manner, which we'll all be familiar with in terms of of commercial disputes and indeed tax disputes. So it takes away the very confrontational and uh, dogmatic approach, which you often encounter in, in tax disputes. So how does it work when you apply it to the particular tax context? It's, it's a relatively recent um, development. Uh, certainly when I started out at what was the old Inland Revenue in, in the 1990s, there was no question of any sort of ADR or, or mediation. It was the old-fashioned knockabout, uh, as I say, adversarial approach to, to dispute resolution. But I think in, in recent times, um, HMRC have, have become more enlightened and they were very much at the fore of an initiative which started around about seven or eight years ago and they, they, they set up um, an initial training course with CEDA and invited a number of, of private practitioners, people like myself who um, make their living from, from resolving tax disputes and we went along for a fairly intensive training session which uh, lasted a, a week and um, as a consequence of that a whole bunch of us became accredited mediators. The revenue then introduced and ran some very successful pilot schemes for, for some of the large corporates in particular and, and I think ev- everyone without exception bought into it. The, the revenue were very happy with the procedure, the taxpayer was and it, it led to uh, disputes being resolved a lot quicker than, than they perhaps might otherwise have been. So that's the sort of genesis of, of it in, in the tax world. And um, it's really gone from strength to strength uh, since then. So what makes a case suitable or unsuitable for 
mediation or alternative dispute resolution? I think that's that's uh, the sixty thousand dollar question, which which everyone has to ask themselves when they do find themselves in dispute with the revenue. It's not suitable for all cases. So if you have a very fact sensitive case where you're alleging certain facts and HMRC dispute those facts and therefore there's likely to be witness evidence and that evidence will be challenged by cross-examination. HMRC will want to ask the witnesses questions, etc. That sort of case probably isn't well suited to, to ADR because the ADR process, as I've just mentioned, is very much collaborative and there isn't the opportunity to wheel out uh, fierce lawyers to cross-examine the other side's witnesses, which is what you would have in, in, in an ordinary tax dispute at the tax tribunal. So I think those cases probably aren't suited. If the revenue wanted a test case, because there's a whole bunch of taxpayers who've got the same issue, and therefore they want a public decision, then again, HMRC would probably want that case to go to the tax tribunal to have it determined in the usual way because then the decision is published and everyone can see exactly what the arguments were and, and what the tribunals decided the law is. Obviously, with mediation, it's very private and confidential and the decision and agreement that, that that's hopefully reached at the end of that process remains confidential. So again, the revenue wouldn't be able to publicise that. So they are probably the two main types of cases which which wouldn't be suitable for ADR. But I think with the, with the exception of, of those types of cases, I think pretty much every other case is, is well suited to ADR. So when would you recommend to a taxpayer that you were advising to approach HMRC about this? There's no hard and fast rule, but to be honest, you can ask HMRC to participate in the ADR process. And I, I should add as well, just for, for clarity, both sides do have to agree to ADR, so you, you can't force HMRC to be a, a participant in, in the ADR process if, they, if they're not willing to for any reason, and likewise, they, they can't force the taxpayer to. But in terms of timing, you can invite HMRC to participate at, at any point in, in the process, uh, quite literally up to shortly before uh, a case is due to be heard in the tax tribunal. From a practical point of view, you wouldn't ordinarily suggest ADR when HMRC is still in the middle of their inquiries because they're still fact-gathering, they're still asking for documents and information from the taxpayer. They probably would feel, understandably, that they're not in a position to form a view on whether ADR should proceed. But I think with, with the exception of that scenario, any time in the process really, once the arguments have been aired so both sides know where each is coming from, and HMRC is satisfied that they've, they've got sufficient information and documents, then you can certainly ask for, for the ADR process to be activated. So you mentioned in there that HMRC have the discretion to say no, because it is, of course, a cooperative process. And you talked about some situations where they might say no. What other factors would they take into account in making that decision? And do you have an opportunity to make representations on that decision? If I take those questions in reverse order, you, you certainly have the opportunity to make representations. That there is a, a process which you go through. So there's a separate sort of ADR unit within, within HMRC. And obviously, they will liaise with the revenue officer who's dealing with your case and, and ask for his or her views on the matter. If I've experienced it myself where initially there, there's been some reluctance, you can certainly make representations and explain to HMRC why you think your client's case would be very well suited to ADR. And in practice, 
one would normally have a, an informal conversation with the revenue officer as well, because clearly if, if he or she is adamant, um, whether for good reason or, or otherwise, that they won't agree to ADR, then it will be very difficult, no matter how persuasive you are, to get them change their mind. But if, if either they are positive and 100% behind it, or perhaps have some reservations, but are happy in principle with exploring it further, then you can um, have that conversation with them and also with the ADR unit to get the thing up and running. In terms of your question about why HMRC might refuse, it could be for the reasons that I touched upon a minute or two ago, where they are not satisfied with the fact pattern and there is a dispute there and they, they want to test the evidence in the traditional way and ask your, your witnesses questions. Or, as I say, they may want a public published decision which other taxpayers can, can rely upon as a, as a precedent, as it were. The other area where they are very reluctant to go down the ADR route is if they feel a taxpayer has behaved dishonestly, not necessarily in the, in the strict criminal sense, but if a taxpayer has, for example, um, had a code of practice nine, which involves allegation of, of fraud and admission of fraud, then they would be very reluctant for any dispute involving that taxpayer to fall within the ADR procedure. And in practice, certainly in my experience, even if there's no dishonesty, but if a taxpayer has been involved in a transaction or an arrangement which HMRC considers to be tax avoidance, then they are very reluctant to agree for that sort of dispute to go down the ADR route. So I think with the exception of those sorts of cases, HMRC are very happy to, to consider um, any sort of tax dispute for ADR. What's the benefit to a taxpayer? of going down the ADR route? There are many, in, in my view. Um, I, you know, I should add, initially, before I became an accredited CEDA mediator on, on the course I mentioned at the, at the beginning, I was quite cynical about the whole process. I, I'd been brought up in the traditional sense of being a hard-nosed litigator, and I, I was very sceptical, and I'm quite happy to admit that, but I'm a massive convert because the advantages to the parties are as follows. Uh, for the taxpayer, it's quick. And sadly, if one is taking a tax dispute to the tax tribunal, even before COVID-19, you would be looking at a good 12 months before you had a hearing. And now it's probably 18 months to two years, if, if not longer. ADR, you can get that on and get it done very, very quickly indeed. So speed is, is great, especially for taxpayers who've been in dispute with the revenue for a long time. And, and, and it's not uncommon for an inquiry to literally go on for years and years and the taxpayer by the time the inquiry is finished just wants to have the whole thing resolved so ADR very quick and speedy it's relatively inexpensive as well which is an important factor for clients it's it's a fraction of the cost of preparing for a formal appeal at the tax tribunal and you don't normally have to involve counsel as well so you save on 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 counsel's fees because they don't normally have a part in the ADR process and more recently, I think one of the big pluses of, of ADR for, for clients, certainly high profile clients, is the fact that it's all confidential. So the ADR process, which normally takes place over the course of one day, is private. So clearly members of the public and the press can't gain access to the mediation, unlike a tribunal hearing where, where they're in public and anyone can walk in and listen and take notes and if you're from the media, report on it. And also, 
with mediation, there's no published decision. So again, once the dispute's been resolved, everything is, is totally confidential, 100%. HMRC will not publicize the results of the mediation process and the taxpayer uh, shouldn't do so either. Unlike at the tax tribunal where the decision will be published and will be reported widely in professional magazines and sometimes in the general media. So can the taxpayer make those findings or decisions public for their own reasons should they want to? If they did want to do that, then it would be a case of having a discussion with with HMRC. And I can't imagine that they would have any objection to that. But the default position is that everything is is confidential and should remain so. If a client said, look, I would quite like to publicise the outcome of this, it would be a case of having a a conversation with HMRC in advance. And I, I wouldn't anticipate there would be any sort of reluctance on HMRC's part. But you would need to have that discussion. So assuming that HMRC are on board and the taxpayer does want to go ahead, how does the process actually work? There is a a slight quirk with tax ADR. In a commercial environment, which which many listeners will be familiar with, the mediator, and it's one of the sort of golden rules when you become an accredited mediator, it should be completely impartial and independent of, of the parties for obvious reasons, because they're to hold the ring and to bring the parties together, etc. With tax ADR, that's certainly an option, but it is extremely rare in my experience. The common scenario is you have two people who are called facilitators and they are employees of HMRC. And I can hear the gasps from, from listeners thinking, how do you have an employee of HMRC as an impartial independent mediator? <laughs> but to be fair to HMRC, the, these people are carefully chosen. They are trained up. They're experts. That's all they do. And in my experience, without exception, they have always been impeccably fair and objective and have done a fantastic job. And I think it actually helps the taxpayer because you've got someone who um, knows the the revenue mindset and how they work and what's important to them and what the red lines are for HMRC, which you wouldn't get with a non-HMRC mediator. And they're, they're normally very experienced people as well, in, in my experience. And I think because they are sort of fellow employees of the revenue officer whose case it is, they've got a lot more credibility and respect. And I think it, it's a positive. I was initially sceptical when the procedure was was introduced many years ago, but now I'm absolutely fine with it. I think it, it actually helps. So you have, as I say, two HMRC facilitators. The venue normally for our clients, we would hold it at RPC's offices. It tends to take a day. So everyone will, will rock up uh, in the morning at nine o'clock and you have the usual introductions, etc. The parties will have normally prepared a paper for the, the, the revenue facilitators, just setting out, it's not overly legalistic because mediation isn't really about legal arguments, but it's just setting out the background, the, the facts that are agreed and, and where each side's coming from, what the, what the issues are, what, what the sticking points are. So that obviously helps the facilitators prepare in advance. As I say, there will be the introductions at the beginning of the day, and then there's often a form of sort of shuttle to Diplomacy. So you'll have sessions where everyone's in the room and there would be one point discussing where they want to get to. And then there will be one-to-one sessions where the facilitators will go and speak to the revenue officer on his or, or her own. And then 
the taxpayer and the taxpayer's team in order to try to narrow the issues and, and enable the parties to reach agreement and resolve their dispute. The, the mediation normally takes a full day. I've had one or two where we've reached agreement before the end of the day, but normally it does take a full day. The psychology involved is such that by the time you get to late afternoon, everyone's desperate to get out of the building and go home. And, and that concentrates minds. And it, it's, you know, it's fascinating how people who might have had a very firm view that this was absolutely not negotiable. Um, by the time you get to late afternoon, then, then there's, there's movement on both sides. And I've never had a tax mediation where there hasn't been agreement, which I think is quite phenomenal. I've had one where there wasn't agreement on the day, which is rare because, again, one of the golden rules is you should either reach complete agreement or you don't have agreement, you walk away. On that occasion, it was very, very complex, lots and lots of issues, and, and there was one sticking point. So out of 10 issues, we'd reached agreement on nine. We couldn't on the 10th, and we ran out of time. It was fairly late in the evening. But that was resolved in the, the following weeks. But it did take a few weeks, if not months, whereas I'm sure if we'd had another hour or so in the mediation, we could have reached agreement. So it just goes to demonstrate how effective face-to-face meetings are in mediation. So what happens if a mediation doesn't achieve an agreement? Well, again, that's one of the pluses for the parties because as far as I'm concerned, Alice, there isn't really any downside to mediation because if, if it does fail, and I've yet to have a, a failed mediation, but if it does, all that it's cost the client is a day of their time and a little bit of professional fees for the day. But that's, you know, in relative terms, it's a drop in the ocean. And the, the advantages are you have a very good, clear idea of where HMRC are coming from, what really matters to them, not just what they've said in, in correspondence or their technical arguments. Sometimes you can't glean from written correspondence what really, really matters to them whereas you do get that in, in mediation. You also invariably get a feel for the areas where they, they could perhaps move and those where there's absolutely no prospect whatsoever from their perspective of moving. And that helps if the mediation doesn't work and you don't get a satisfactory result. You can always proceed to the tax tribunal in the traditional sense. There's no bar whatsoever in, in doing that. As I say, I've never actually had to do that, but I always say to clients, look, Let's give mediation a go. Uh, in my experience, you're likely to get a, a decision that, that you can live with. You won't get 100%. It's not binary. But when you think about litigation risk, there's a big risk if you just go to the tax tribunal, no matter how secure and confident you are of your arguments. And if it all goes pear-shaped, we can go to the tax tribunal and we will be in a better position to understand where HMRC are, are coming from. And as I say, you can, you can always negotiate with HMRC throughout the whole process. So even after a failed mediation and you're heading to the tax tribunal, you'd still be able to have a conversation without prejudice conversation with them. So as far as I'm concerned, I think it's, it's a bit of a no-brainer and I would always advise a client to, to give some serious consideration to the possibility of ADR. How did the tax tribunals feel about it? The tax tribunals are, are actually very supportive. Rule three of the tribunal rules actually specifies that the, the tribunal does have to bring to the attention of the parties the availability of ADR. Earlier this month, Judge Sinfield, who's the president of the first tier tax tribunal, issued a practice statement which specifically relates to ADR. 
And this makes it quite clear that the tribunal supports ADR, and it also makes it clear that the tribunal will be happy to stay any appeal that is at the tribunal whilst the parties explore ADR and mediation. So you'll certainly get a very sympathetic response from the tribunal if HMRC and the taxpayer do decide to go down the ADR route. So in the current environment with coronavirus and lockdown, how has this changed either how you might want to technically deploy this or how the process actually works? It may be a coincidence that uh, Judge Sinfield has issued that practice statement when, when he has, but I think because of the disruption that COVID-19 has, has caused, particularly in relation to the, the tax tribunals, and yes, there, there have been some hearings that have proceeded by way of, of video and, and telephone and so on, but there, there has been an awful lot of, of disruption. And I think there will be something of a bottleneck in terms of determining tax appeals when, when we all come out of the lockdown. And I, uh, I'm hoping and I expect that HMRC and taxpayers will perhaps be more amenable and welcome ADR because, as I say, it's a forum where they can resolve their dispute very quickly and relatively inexpensive and not have to go to the tax tribunal. And I would have thought that the tax tribunal would be grateful if some of the, the huge caseload, which they had before COVID-19, let, let alone the amount of cases that have built up in the interim, if, if some of those cases could be resolved by way of ADR, then I think it would help everyone, taxpayers, HMRC and the tax tribunal itself. Uh, in terms of the process itself, I don't think there'd be an awful lot of change, Alice, to be honest. I think uh, it would be the same as it was before COVID-19. So. If you've got a dispute with the revenue, if their inquiry has finished, then you could ask them to explore ADR and mediation. And if you're a little bit further down the road and they've already issued, for example, a discovery assessment and you've appealed that to the tribunal, then now would be the time for the taxpayer and, and their advisors to give some very serious thought to ADR and have a conversation with HMRC because if the case is suitable for ADR and, and mediation, then I would expect HMRC to embrace it and welcome that opportunity. Do you think there's a possibility of ADR being conducted virtually? Yes, I know certainly of cases um, within RPC in, in the commercial disputes team where they've conducted mediation virtually. So it could happen with tax disputes in principle. I haven't conducted one yet, but I certainly wouldn't be averse to doing so. It's not ideal because, as I've mentioned, I think the human interaction and being able to read body language and striking up a good rapport with the facilitators and with HMRC is very, very important to a successful outcome. And yes, you can still do all of those things via Zoom or Skype, but in my experience, certainly when I participated in virtual tribunal hearings, it's not quite the same as, as in person. And I, I think it, it would certainly not be my preference. But if there was a need to conduct the mediation before we're all able to meet up again, then, then it certainly could be done. Absolutely. Great. So what would your advice be to businesses if they're starting to get into a sticky situation? Is this something that they should keep at the fore of their mind or is something to return to later? I think it's something to, to consider sooner rather than later. As I say, I think the only time when it would be premature would be when HMRC had just started the inquiry and they're starting to ask questions of the documents for obvious reasons. Uh, the facts aren't known to HMRC and they wouldn't be amenable to, to giving it serious consideration at that juncture. But I think as soon as you get to that point where 
you feel look HMRC, you've, you've got all of the documents you, you need. I've, we've given you all of the information. We've answered all of your questions, etc. That's the time to, to to sit down with them and say, look, let's have a chat and see if we can sort this out with the revenue facilitators and let's go down the mediation route because there's not really much to be gained from postponing it. If you are minded to explore that possibility, you're not going to strengthen your hand very much by holding off. You know, there, there are... There are some points which I call pinch points where HMRC, if they've been reluctant initially to embrace mediation, then sometimes you get some leverage and they, they, they will warm to it. So, for example, if you've actually gone down the formal litigation route and you have uh, provided possibly a statement of case where you set out your arguments in huge detail or certainly when you provide your witness statements, because then HMRC can see the strength, they can assess the strength of your case and what your witnesses will say. That's sometimes a very good time to say to HMRC, look, let's consider ADR. And until that practice statement, which I mentioned a minute ago, was issued, that the revenue, I think really without any basis, had adopted the view that if they had prepared their statement of case at the tax tribunal, they wouldn't consider ADR. And I, I've had discussions with them. There's no legal or other basis really for that. And what I think that was really down to was if they'd gone to all of the efforts and expense of preparing a statement of case, they were a bit miffed that you would then be talking about ADR and mediation. So they refused and they have this in their, in their um, guidance, which is available. I don't know if they've updated it yet because the practice statement's only just come out, but the practice statement from the tribunal makes it very, very clear that ADR can be considered at any point in the litigation process. So whether it's after you've exchanged witness statements, after you've exchanged statements of case, et cetera, et cetera, up to the steps of the court, you can you can consider ADR and mediation. So I, I'm confident that HMRC will change their publicly stated position in that regard now that uh, the tribunal has issued its practice statement. Great. So if you are a taxpayer, from your experience in engaging with this ADR process, what works, what doesn't? I think cases where there is room for a little bit of give and take. So the Revenue have a document called the Litigation Settlement Strategy, which ties their hands to a certain extent because unlike in a commercial dispute, they can't split the difference or horse trade. Everything has to be principled. And if they feel that they are correct on the law and the taxpayer won't accept their position and they think they will win a 51% chance of winning, then they, they should litigate and shouldn't compromise. And that, that document is applicable in the mediation stroke ADR context. So it's not a, a case and people shouldn't think, oh, well, we'll, we'll turn up to mediation and We'll do old-fashioned horse trading, which is what people tended to do in the, in the past before this document came into existence in 2007. But that said, clearly, if you have a number of issues, you, you may well, in a very principled way, be able to say, well, I'll concede issues one to two to HMRC, and they may concede issue three in the taxpayer's favour. So all the taxpayer is interested in is, at the end of the day, a deal which, in monetary terms, it can live with. For HMRC, it has to be a principled settlement, but in that scenario, it would be. So I think the sort of cases where there's scope, where it's not black and white, it's not binary, there's some grey areas, and there's a number of issues on the table, so that you can give up some of the issues, even if you think you're correct, and in return, HMRC might be able to accommodate some of the issues in your favour. 
they are the sorts of cases that one should certainly consider for mediation. And also, I think cases where the facts aren't in dispute. So if the facts are pretty clear and everyone accepts that the facts are what both sides say they are, so there's no dispute, then that kind of case would be ideal as well for, for mediation. So from a business perspective, if you're walking into an ADR as a representative of that business, what kind of things should you be keeping in mind? I think it's, it's important that on the day you have the decision maker either present or certainly at the end of a, of a telephone, as I say, you generally do reach agreement and therefore there has to be somebody who can make the decisions there on the day. Um, it's no good saying, oh, Joe Bloggs is, is on holiday and we'll have to wait two weeks until he comes back and then we can take instructions. So you, you've got to have that sort of person there on hand. I think there has to be a mindset that you probably as a taxpayer will have to pay something. It's not going to be like a win at the tax tribunal where it's all or nothing. That's not how mediation works. So you will not leave that day with a settlement where you pay HMRC nil, much as you might want that to be the outcome. And if you have that sort of very entrenched dogmatic approach, then it it may well be that, that the process is not for you and won't work. So I think you have to be pragmatic, sensible, um, diplomatic as well. It's, it's no good going into um, a mediation if you absolutely hate the inspector and there's a lot of animosity there because you have to sit around the table with him or her. And um, I have had a few like that. And actually, they, they warm to one another as the day progresses. But again, that's not ideal. So it, it's, it is very collaborative and, and, and you have to approach it with that sort of mindset. Well, thank you very much, Adam, for taking us through alternative dispute resolution in HMRC context. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. As ever, a full transcript of this episode, together with our references, can be found on our website, www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxing matters. If you have any questions for me or for Adam, or any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please do email us on taxingmatters at rpc.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. If you liked this episode, please do take a moment to rate, review and subscribe and remember to tell a colleague about us. Thank you all for listening and talk to you again in two weeks. 